the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. We have a caller. Start off. Robin Campbell. Hey, Rob. Uh, I got a question. Um, I'd like your opinion on Frontier Communications stock. Ticker symbol is FTR. It's a stock my mother owns, and she keeps asking me what to do with it. Yeah, I don't know if I have a definitive answer on that. I was taking a look at it uh, before we got on air, just so I could set up a good call with you. Um, I'm assuming she's lost a lot of money in it. Yes. Okay. Uh, but the last 10 years, it's gone from $18 a share to buck ninety-one, and it seems to be pretty close to its 52-week low at this point in time, and thanks for the call. Frontier Communications is a telecommunications play that, in theory, should have worked better than it did. You have companies like Verizon and AT&T, uh, competing against you know some of the upstarts like Sprint out there and um, others. So Frontier Communications is one of those others. So they provide phone, internet, satellite, TV through a partnership with Dish. Uh, so they don't really have anything unique. So the company has more than 7.5 million residential and business voice subscribers. It's got 2.5 million broadband internet customers. They're active mostly in rural areas. Um they kind of were kind of an incumbent kind of player in the local exchange care. So their markets cover West Virginia, Illinois, Indiana, and New York. Um, I can't make a case for owning it, or I can't really make a case for selling it. It's got a teeny tiny little dividend. At some point in time, they'll be acquired. But at this point in time, it's not going to be a premium to what your mother paid. If your mother could take a loss on it, I would strongly consider that. Um... I just don't get it. Like, there's, it's one of those companies that it just doesn't matter. It, it's, it's kind of a piece of dung. Um, Goldman Sachs is downgraded it to sell, which is one of those rare things that you ever see. But again, could they be acquired? Sure. Um, they're one of those players that is kind of like a, a great story. Like telecommunications, they're getting, you know, they're going to all kind of like get acquired by AT and T and Verizon. They're going to be the only two players left, right? Um, Bank of America has got a neutral on it, downgraded from a buy. It just, to me, it feels like they, they need money. And I don't feel like, it doesn't look like they're in a position of any sort of strength. Um, they continue to make, you know, relationships with broadcasters. They continue to carry other, you know, stations and things along those lines. Um, Deutsche Bank downgraded Frontier to hold recently, lowered the price target to $4 from 5 It's at a buck eighty now. So this tells you that you know, that information is a little bit on the old side. Um, elevated share losses, revenue degradation. So I, if you could take a, a tax loss on it, I'd harvest the loss. My, myself, personally. I sold a broker rise, which I get anything on the stock. I, on the show. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. That was a fun call. Sorry about your train wreck. Stock has done nothing but go down, and your poor mother has been given bad advice. Um, maybe that's something you should look for more so than anything else, is how can you get your mother better advice? Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Hi, Rob. Hey, Tony. How are you? I'm well. So you do a show here tied towards the mortgage market. And real estate. And real estate. So uh, you had Julie Geyer on this week. Yep. How's Julie doing? She's doing well. Uh-oh. She's been in the business 35 plus years um, in the peninsula and in the same market, which I think is amazing. Uh, but, you know, she's she's talking about she's still very optimistic about the peninsula real estate. Uh, but she is mentioning a little bit about how the low end homes and what this categorize that low end in the peninsula is right around 1 million to 1.1 <laughs> is really picking up. Um, but there's still a big lack of inventory. It is funny to say that. Uh, in is. fact, I was talking to a friend of mine on the East coast on the way down here. Uh, and he's like, Oh yeah, we had our $1 million um, properties ra- raised faster this last month than any other month. And uh, I was like, yeah, um, our two bedroom, one bath condos in some places are $1 million. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty weird to say that, that is pretty these, the low end homes are selling for a million plus. Yeah, I, I was driving in today, and I, it doesn't stop hitting me like every week. And I, I tell you this every week when I talk to you and your expensive vitamin water. Um, I know, fancy. So, it, how much development's going on? So, and it's it's the, what I've found crazy is it used to seem like it took a. Like you would almost expect like seven months, eight months for a hotel to go up. Hotels now are popping up literally in a month period on the peninsula. A lot of construction, a lot of um, a lot of condo projects, which I think is what the Bay Area needs a lot of. Uh, in fact, there's a pretty interesting report that came out just recently that said that um, a national report that is saying that condo prices have gone up over the last five years faster than single family residents by. Uh, they're up 38.4% and single-family homes up 279 And that includes places like New York, which, of course, we would understand that because there's just no room to build things, and San Francisco and San Jose. Uh, and that would include everything in between, I expect, uh, like San Mateo. Uh, but you're seeing all of these go up. And, and what what I think that a lot of people are struggling with, Rob, is are these really entry home entry homes for first time home buyers. And then you look at the home prices and it's a little difficult to kind of stomach that whole, you know, 20% down on, on a million dollar property with a large HOA fee. Some of the HOA fees can go up to a thousand dollars a month. Most of my divorced friends live with like four roommates and it turns into like this situation where that didn't used to be the case. It used to be you, you were divorced and you were a spinster and you'd get your own little apartment by yourself and Kind of, so things change, right? We're seeing our, our more, perception of things. And we're seeing more people do that on a purchase as well. Okay. We're definitely seeing more dual incomes or couples buying houses. We're also seeing more partners, multiple people getting together and buying houses because why rent when you can own? And I, you know, you just have to be careful of the way you set up the, the title and, and ownership percentages based on down payments. But it turns out to be the, the, some of the better ways for people to get into these homes if indeed that's what you want to do. So millennials are the biggest drivers right now of spurring demand for homes. Do you see any difference between the millennials and Generation Xers as far as their approach to money and saving and kind of giving it up for you? You know, 
because that's what ultimately what people do. They come to you and they say, I want to borrow 600000 You're like, well, you're going to put down 60000 We do. Uh, we're definitely seeing a lot more help from family members when it comes okay. to a, you know, and when I say younger, I'm, you know, closer to 50 than, than most millennials. Uh, younger, 30 to 40 years old, buying properties are getting a lot of help from their, their parents and other sources. Uh, not a lot of people are millennials are stepping up, meaning they've, they're selling a property and then buying another one with the equity. We're usually seeing the older generation doing that. Um, but we are happy to see that there are a lot of programs available for people with low down payments. For example, there's a great 10% down jumbo without mortgage insurance program that is helping a lot of people get into those $1 million properties with $100,000 down. Uh, for a while there, $100,000 didn't seem like enough down payment. Now it is, but you still have to qualify. A lot of confluence of trends driving home ownership. Yep. We'll talk about the trends. We'll talk about investing. We'll talk about real estate, some good ideas, some bad ideas. Stay tuned. It's Rob Black and your money. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He always comes to my seminars. So you can meet him if you want to talk mortgages and real estate. Um, at any of my events, you can sign up for it at Rob Black Show. Use the code radio twenty five. We'll take a break here. Be right back. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I try not to do a show that sounds canned. I try to do a show that is dedicated to getting into retirement. But sometimes it it does have that canned feeling, right? Like, how to get to retirement? Max out your company's match on the 401k if there is one. Don't miss the opportunity to put your money in this tax-advantaged retirement account. Not only are their contributions tax-free, but a lot of employers will match contributions. If this is the case, you're turning down free money if you don't max your contributions. Now, I think we're all easily marketed, too. I'm surprised at how marketing works. I can turn on the television and put a kid in front of the television, and sure enough, he wants uh, super sweet sugar Cheerios because they've got a toy inside of it. Okay, it's actually me who wants a super sweet sugar Cheerios with the Star Wars Force Awakens new uh, real lightsaber. Don't do it. Put down the orange juice. So there's some pretty slick marketing stuff out there. And um, we're easily marketed to. And the one that I'm looking at right now is Rich by Ken Fisher, who I'm not a fan of. Only because at one point in time, Ken Fisher was probably really bright young and exciting. And as he's grown, he's had to compromise and hire salespeople to represent him. And I don't like the salespeople um, because they have sales pitches. So I'm looking at his 99 retirement tips, 99 retirement tips from Ken Fisher. And what's sad is it's not even well laid out, but it does have 99 retirement tips. And it's something that we're easily marketed to. And we're like, oh, well, Ken Fisher... Ken Fisher didn't exist 10 years. No, he did. He was just, he's a guy who basically advertised a lot. And number six on his 99 things is have a living well. It says what your wishes are with respect to your care in case you aren't capable of making decisions for yourself. 
it includes whomever you want to make those decisions for you in those circumstances. Number eight, have a backup plan for your key financial person. If one family member handles the finances, make a plan for how you'll handle things in case that person passes away or becomes incapacitated. It's fair. I'd rather tell you the real life story is that like my dad and my mom, my dad did the finances. He was colonel in the United States Army and he did well, uh, well enough, you know. It's a pay grade system that it is what it is. But my mom didn't know one thing about finances. My mom, when she was 18 years old, thought she could get pregnant sitting on the toilet seat. Ain't that a hoot? Say what? I know. So I think you can get pregnant on a toilet seat, but typically it involves two people in a tight airplane cabin or something like that. But it ain't, it ain't, it ain't just sitting on it, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so have a backup financial plan. You can't be that stupid. And my mom was that financially stupid. My dad did this. Listen to this bull. I want to say the word. Or I'll get kicked off radio. When it came time to do taxes, he put a piece of paper on top of the taxes and only let her see the line that said, sign here. Now, I don't know if that's a true story or if that's been embellished by my brother, David, but that's messed up. I'm wondering now, like, do I have like a secret family or, you know, was my dad part of the Gustapo? I don't know. Because taxes were certainly something that were highly secretive. So number 11 on Ken Fisher, the big douches, uh, 99 things to do for retirement. Build a monthly budget. Build a spreadsheet that shows what you spend each month. These are non-discretionary mortgage, groceries, insurance. Other expenses are discretionary. Cruises, antiques, and golf lessons. Build your budget with two levels. A, everything including discretionary spending, and B, bare bones. The second one is the one you want to spend even when money is tight. Recognize that what appears non-discretionary today might not be so over. Like, I can't do it. I can't do a show like that. I can say, you know, holy crap, can you really afford a $700 phone without uh, without putting money in your retirement plan? No. So when you're 70 years old, you're gonna be living in a trailer park, and you're not gonna have a, a trailer. You're not gonna have a cell phone unless the government gives it to you, because you failed to provide for yourself. But yet, every 20-something I see has a cell phone, and it's actually refreshing. And I, this is so funny because I used to date a school teacher, and um, it's kind of funny because I wanted to get frisky in her classroom, and she's like, "No way, no way, that is not gonna happen." And um, she said, "I was so when we broke up." Because I would break everyone's heart, apparently. So good at, good at math, not good at like love. Um, she goes, I was so in love with you because you never were on your cell phone. Like, I thought that was the coolest thing. I was like, I didn't, I didn't want my wife to call while we were talking <laughs> kind of thing. I know you're saying, you're pushing the limit today, Black. Yes, I am. So anyway, I'm not going to do the 99 retirement issues. I'd rather say something like, I'd rather do a show like... Sarah Jessica Parker, she just turned 50 the other day, and she was, she was uh, trying to tell people how old she is, and she's stomping her hoof on the ground. She's going, and uh, the funny thing about that is, uh, she, why do I hate her so much? Because that damn show, I, I'm fine with women sleeping around. I'm fine with that. That's probably a good thing. Um, I thought she was a little bit whiny. I ever find the perfect guy 
But on top of that, the whole obsession with $400 shoes. I'm like, I did a woman's conference, and I kind of forget that at a woman's conference, you should probably be deferential and be nice. And I was like, how many of you like sex in the city? How many of you have iPhones? And they're all raising their hands. I'm like, okay, just so you know, $400 Manola Blancas. $400 Manola Blancas. Drive me crazy. Because I never look at a woman's feet. I can't do any woman's shoes I've ever been with. Right now, I've heard that they're really cute and that I'm going to really like them and that they got them at a great price. But I've never, ever been able to remember one pair of female shoes in my life. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Don't count on that inheritance. Many of us are living longer and longer they say that the if you're born today, you can almost expect to live to 90. Can you imagine being 90 years old and living off Social Security and it's dwindling and you didn't save enough? That's why you have to save 10 to 20 times your income. So I got an email that says, I have close to $1.5 million in cash after a real estate sale. As a senior over 70, I think I can easily put away half of a million and draw about 10% from it from the bank and whittle it down to zero over the next 10 years. That means $48,000 per year or $4,000 per month, plus pension income, of course. The other million, all invested in stocks, 50% stocks and 50% bonds. And when 10 years rolls around after the half million is depleted, I can start dipping into this one and start spending. Do you see this as a good strategy? Do you have any other alternative plans? Uh, Where will I invest the 1 million? Any ideas? And that's a pretty good situation to be in, to be 70 and inherit a big piece of property, a million and a half dollars property. I mean, in the Bay Area, it's not great, but that's probably some pretty good property if it's other areas of the United States. Um, so seven, or multiple properties. A seven-figure windfall. Yeah. It's not going to happen to very many people. Um, it's a good problem, right? It's definitely a story that a lot of people see and encourage them to buy more real estate. Uh, although this person's 70 years old, so he, you know, if he's inheriting this property, this property could have been in the family for many, 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 many more years than, um, you know, than that 30 year fixed. So my recommendation on that is I think the guy's actually thinking a lot the right ways, not perfect. You know, Chad likes to have three years of income in a safe place. This guy wants 10 years of income in a safe place, but that's not bad. Um, and it's a sizable chunk to leave a million dollars until you're 80. Um, not knowing where to invest that million into, say, 50% stocks and 50% bonds, that feels a little sloppy to me. Um, but I like the ideas. I mean, I, I think he's thinking the right way, creating a short-term portfolio versus creating a long-term portfolio. Like, it's a little bit more uh, of an issue. But that's one of the nice things about being cash rich, when you, uh, house rich when you, die, when you get old. A lot of people in California will have that house paid off, and it's a sizable asset, but they won't have anything saved. A couple of weeks ago, we got a call from somebody who said that they had sold a property and they didn't know what to do. They had, I think, about $500,000, and they um, 
I didn't get into any of the retirement issues, but they, they wanted to take that money and split it up with other properties out of state and just buy them free and clear and just use that in the income from those properties to kind of supplement, you know, what they would have normally got from any kind of rate of return. They were scared of the market because it's at a high. So a lot of people with that, that kind of windfall could look at real estate and uh, dump it all back into real estate, which I'd be careful about um, when you're looking at highs across the markets. But with the rents where they are now, I think that's something that a lot of people are, are can't avoid is that there's a good rate of return right now in rents. Um, you know, of course, San Jose and San Francisco, places like New York, D.C., those places are doing very, very well. But you, you're looking at higher home prices. You've seen rents fall pretty aggressively in San Francisco. San Francisco has dropped and, and New York City have, have dropped. Um, I think that's just a normalization of, of rents uh, as opposed to places like Oakland where we're seeing easy high double digits, not high double digits, but 18 percent increases year over year for Oakland. Um, so a lot of people are, are, are seeing these opportunities and, and drawing people back in towards real estate after I, I, the windfall. I question, I question the word normalization because I've got a friend in television who's a reporter and he's pretty good. And uh, he lives out near Half Moon Bay, not in the nicest neighborhood, not in the nicest apartment. And he's like being priced out. So he's getting ready to move not to Oakland, but to like Portland. Um, a sizable difference. Portland is the normalization angle. One of, is the fastest growing city, according to I think Redfin was the survey that they did that, uh, as far as home appreciation was one of the fastest growing cities in the United States in 2016. So um, I think those are the kind of angles that if you were to get a windfall like that and put some of it into real estate and live off the other amount or and, and you know whatever the proper investments are. And look at uh, not only a a place where a lot of millennials are moving, a lot of jobs are moving there, places like Seattle, Utah, uh, Denver, even Phoenix, uh, and look at possible some appreciation. I'd be careful about overestimating appreciation, though. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people do when they do these kind of calculations is there's a very easy little button that you can push and says 1%, 2%, 5%, and it makes your numbers look really, really good or sometimes way too good. And it, and it may drive you towards a real estate transaction when it, when indeed it, it may not work that way. So I'd be very careful on the and be conservative with appreciation and factoring that in. I'd look for more for the down the the down years as opposed to the up years as far as calculating cash flows. What is it going to look like in the worst case scenario? And I don't think enough people do that. So talking uh, rents, talking investing, talking real estate, talking interest rates, um, and basically assumptions, and sometimes you want to be careful on flawed assumptions. And one of the biggest flawed assumptions that I see out there are people thinking, oh, I'll figure it out later. Um, that's on my side of the fence. You're more on the real estate side at BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm more on the, do people have enough to retire? Yeah. Um, and then the, there's also that flawed assumption that because it's worked in the past, it'll work again. And um, but, I, I don't think so. But, go, but going back to one of the comments you said earlier in the show was uh, you you – as people giving bad advice, especially people in real estate, uh, the more and more I longer and longer I stay in this business, the more and more I think I need to have some sort of, you know, series seven or series six license to in order to give the proper advice for people. Um, and I think that's kind of where the industry might end up going, Rob, is people like me will need to have a higher degree of education in order to give the, the right advice. I'm with you. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. What's the typical person look like right now um, who's coming to you? Are they cash rich? Are they 
It's like, for instance, I read an article recently about a guy who's working for Twitter, making $160,000 in San Francisco. And he's like, I didn't become a software engineer so I could make ends meet, barely make ends meet, just scrape by on 160000 And when you factor in $3,000 a month for rent, that's 36000 on the $160,000. let us take out 40000 for taxes. Uh, he's down to 120, and then you're down to you know roughly uh, 85, 80 after that. And then you get sales tax, and it, it goes pretty quickly. But you, you would think 160 thousand well, dollars. It, it's definitely hurt uh, the people that we're seeing. It's uh, lower down payments is something that we're seeing. Um, even though the, the Bay Area averages roughly you know 180 thousand dollars as a as a down payment for a property. Uh, and you translate that, you know, 20%, somewhere around 700 and something thousand. And you can ease, I'm sorry, it's a little over 800, but the, we are seeing a little bit lower, lower down payment. But the reason we are is because there's more products that allow, especially in the jumbo territory, allowing less down payment. You can go up to two and a half million dollars with 5% down with no mortgage insurance. And a lot of people don't know that. And as these, what we call non-qualified mortgage products come out or portfolio products or you can just call them, they're not even subprime, they're called alternate products. The more and more we see this, the more and more we're going to see people like that guy that works for Twitter, and he, has, he hasn't been able to save enough money, but he makes enough money to qualify. And that's what we're seeing more and more often. Uh, and a lot of these kinds of products are tailored towards places like the Bay Area and Washington, D.C., New York, and, and L.A., and, and Chicago, and all the big high-dollar areas. And, and for the most part, the the, a place like the Bay Area needs these type of products because there are a lot of high-dollar in- income people that aren't saving enough money for a down payment. So that's kind of where the industry is, is leading right now. Now, not everybody's going to be in that situation because you could easily just come with a dual income and qualify uh, with maybe a little bit more down payment to that 20%. So that's one of the reasons why I think the Bay Area home prices c- can continue going up a, a little bit more without anything changing. Now, if the stock market keeps going better and the jobs increase, I mean, we've gained 600,000 jobs here in the Bay Area since 2010. Um, And we haven't created enough housing, not even nearly enough housing. It's like 10% of that uh, in new housing. So we we can see the home price continue going up in the Bay Area just if everything stays the same. Um, Even if if we backtrack a little bit and backtracking things like higher interest rates, um, incomes could stagnate. We'd have different tax regulations. I mean, Prop 13 go away. I mean, there's a lot of things that could change that. But when it's all said and done, I think most people that are listening to the show about real estate want to know if their investment's safe, and I feel pretty darn good about it. For me, for not that's just one of the reasons. The other reason is most people who've bought or refinanced in the last, let's say, eight to ten years have used what they call qualified mortgages, meaning that our ownership pool is a lot stronger today than it was back in 2000, leading up to 2007, 2008, where a lot of people foreclosed, and we're not going to have that kind of snowball effect that we did back then. But we're also at record low home ownership. We are. We are. But that's also with low inventory. It's, it means that we're not we're not running out of buyers because of the low inventory. If inventory starts expanding, let's say it doubles, we may have that issue. Do you know what's kind of interesting is California's solution for record low home ownership, crazy high rent and overcrowding seems to be Let's put a granny unit in the backyard and rent it out. It's something we're seeing. You're asking a lot of great questions. These are people, things we're seeing. We're seeing people taking out renovation loans, trying to finish their basements, put in-law yep. units in. The renovation loans are out there. The private money or loans are out there for the quick turns. Um, they're all out there. And, the, and that's what I think that the industry is going to be looking at in the next five years is, is more and more products to help places like California continue to grow. 
I don't know if the granny unit angle is a good long-term solution. Yeah, but you rent it out, and all of a sudden your mortgage isn't three thousand; it's fifteen hundred or less. So, does that math does that math play out? I'm Rob Black. You can find Tony Mendez if you want to get one of those loans or renovation loans or. 30-year or 15-year or refi, he can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at RobBlackShow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at KDOW.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I didn't quite get across what I was trying to say about athletes in that last segment. Sometimes it's a little bit easier than not, but... There is some relationships between watching someone blow three million and you blowing thirty thousand or three thousand or three hundred. And when you see athletes wearing expensive jewelry, look at your own wrist. Um, do you really need a four hundred dollar watch? Do you really need a six hundred dollar smartphone? And some of the cars that they drive, you're like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And then, you know, you're like, but they make $3 million and they're driving a ridiculous car. And I make, you know, 100000 I'm driving comparably a ridiculous car. Now, I admit that I'm a little bit more like Scrooge than I am, you know, uh, make it rain kind of guy. I like to think things through. I like my charity investments, uh, giving to charity, to be, you know, tactical strikes. I want them to work. I don't want, you know, just a, oh, here's $200, you know, good luck. Um, I think that's really important. I think mentality and when you start comparing this person to me, this person to me, you know, MC Ammer, can't touch this, who has a house with gold bars on the gates, went bankrupt for a pretty good reason. He had friends that were hanging on, but he also had a house with gold bars. He had too many cars. Uh, those things add up. So a lot of people don't understand. Like they work from age twenty to sixty, and they're like, "Oh, I'll you know I'll save later. I'll save later. I'll spend now. I'll spend now." Athletes don't understand. You have to save now because their window is much shorter than ours. But you can extrapolate. When you look at an athlete who makes three million dollars for three years, that's nine million dollars. When you start making a hundred thousand dollars. You know, over 10 years, that's a million. So you're making $4 million. They're making $9 million. But you can start seeing how the careers work out, I think. You know, I could be totally wrong with that. Something that also a lot of people don't stop and plan on is taxes. Um, I always say all my exes live in Texas. No, they don't. But one of the ideas there is it's fun to say. So anytime I see the word taxes, I'm like, uh, boo, right? Uh, what's the average American tax rate? And this gets back to the question about athletes. They pay a lot of their money in taxes. They're high earners, right? You pay a lot of your money in taxes, and you may not even think of it. Uh, the federal income tax rate, the average effective federal income tax rate is just 13.5%. But that's not where it stops. The average American's federal tax income. It okay, work like okay, thirteen and a half percent. So work with that number in your head, right? But then start adding some real numbers to it as well. Um, you have to pay state income tax, any sort of consumption-based tax, like sales taxes, um, social security taxes on your paycheck, 
So Social Security taxes assessed at a 6.2% rate on employees and employers. It only applies to the first $127,000 that you earn, but 6% of your money is gone like that. Add that number, 6.2, to the 13.5, you're like at 19.7, right? And then you live in a state with a 10% income tax. Um, you throw that in there and suddenly you're like, okay, 6.2 plus 10%. Is seventeen, 16.2, 16.2, right? And then 13.5, so you're now at 29, 30% of your taxes. Boom, just like that. Oh, wait, there's more. How about your Medicare tax? So you're already at 30%, right? But then you get another 1.4% for both employees and employers. So if you're, you know, if you own your own company, you're paying both of that. Uh, so you're now at 32%. How about property taxes? Typically about 2%. So sales taxes. Again, you. how about a Medicare tax? Medicare tax is assessed on at the 1.45% rate for both employees and employers on all earned income. And high earners pay an additional Medicare tax. So you jump up to 32, 34. Uh, sales tax Averages about 8.5%. So now you're at 42% of your income's gone. And that's the average person. So every now and then you get into scenarios like Phil Mickelson where he goes, I may have to leave the state of California because it's, you know, 70% of what I earn is going to taxes. Because he's a high earner and you're like, wah! But I just showed you a scenario where it's creeped up well over 35, 40% on you and how your taxes are being hit aggressively. So uh, that's one of the reasons I want you to save more. Because let's say 40% of your money goes to, again, federal, state, uh, taxes, right? And you start adding up more and more of these taxes. So you have to save 15%. So I'm I'm just taking you from 40% tax rate to 15% for your retirement. So you're at 55% of your money's gone. You shouldn't spend more than 35% of your income on housing. So that 55% suddenly, be, you're like, stop, stop, enough, enough, enough. That's 90, I, I got to live off 10% after housing. Everything's gone. So making small decisions add up very quickly to that 10% of, there's not a lot of money there. Uh, because taxes, retirement savings, they're going to take the bulk of it when you throw in housing as well. Vacations, where do vacations fit in? I'm Rob Black, trying to make you think about money. Investing, saving, retirement, and much, much more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.